It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. We are in El Salvador traveling with the Attorney General Bill Barr. He came here to express the United States' support for a crackdown on gangs like MS-13 and the ongoing immigration battle over the southern border. But he also came here to conduct the first interview he has done as Attorney General since taking the job about four months ago. This is the first time he's answered questions about the allegations of spying on the Trump campaign and the allegations against him, accused of lying to Congress. We sat down with him at a prison located about 30 minutes west of the capital city of San Salvador, where countless gang members are now being held. Sir, thank you for your time. Sure. Why'd you come here? Well, obviously, one of the the big challenges we face right now in law enforcement is the humanitarian crisis on the border. And a lot of that is being driven by families coming up from Central America. A related factor to that uh, is the gang violence that's prevalent in these three Northern Triangle countries. Uh, MS-13, the 18th Street Gang. And so uh, the Justice Department has a very robust program down here to help the governments uh, attack this drug problem. We're working very closely with them. And I've come down to show my support for that. You've seen success? There's been a lot of success. In the last three years, the murder rate has uh, dropped in half here in in, uh, El Salvador. And in three years... uh, in the Northern Triangle, we've been able to charge over 7,000 members of MS-13 and the 18th Street Gang. And it's starting to pick up. Just today, while I was in country, they took down 274 MS-13 gang members. So uh, it's a great partnership we have with them, and it's helping us in the United States because MS-13 gang members that we can get down here are not going to be coming up to the United States. Uh, and also the intelligence we gather here, uh, because we have a big uh, uh, program here to support their wiretapping and other kinds of intelligence down here, we can use that to prosecute MS-13 members in the United States. For example, in last August, we uh, uh, prosecuted uh, six uh, MS-13 members in New Jersey using intelligence that was gathered down here. So it can make a difference. Yes. Let me come back to that. Um, Let me put the attention back home for a moment here. You made a lot of news this past week, appointing a federal prosecutor, or at least announcing it, Mm -hmm. to look into the origins of the Russian probe. How serious is this? Well, I didn't announce it. It it leaked out. But it is true enough that uh, uh, I have appointed him to to help me look into the counterintelligence activities that were conducted uh, during the 2016 election. And uh, he's helping with that process and putting together a team to do that. I remember at the hearing about a month ago, you said you're still trying to get your head around everything. Mm -hmm. What are you trying to figure out? Uh, Well, the first step is find out exactly what happened. 
uh, and uh, we're trying to get our arms around that, getting all the relevant information from the various agencies uh, and uh, starting to talk to some of the people that have information. You know, the thing that's interesting about this is that this was handled at a very senior level of these departments. It wasn't handled in the ordinary way that investigations or counterintelligence activities are conducted. It was sort of an ad hoc small group, and most of these people are no longer with the FBI or the CIA or the other agencies involved. This appears to run deep. Why is it so hard to figure out? Well, as... Uh, there are two things here. One, no one's really looked at it. Uh, I think there's a misconception out there that we know a lot about what happened. Uh, the fact of the matter is Bob Mueller did not look at the government's activities. He was looking at the whether or not the Trump campaign had uh, conspired with the Russians. But he was not going back and looking at the counterintelligence program. And uh, we have a number of uh, investigations underway that touch upon it, the main one being the Office of Inspector General that's looking at the FISA warrants. But uh, as far as I'm aware, no one has really looked across uh, the whole waterfront. Yeah, We're so, so you came into this job and you started asking questions. Right. Did you get any answers? Well, I thought when I came in uh, from the outside that uh, all the questions that I had and many other people had uh, that would be readily uh, answered... Uh, once I got in, but I haven't found that to be the case. You also said back in April that you thought there was spying going on in the Trump campaign. When do you think that started? Um, well, I'm not going to speculate about when it started. We're going to find out when it started. It's been said that it was July of 2016. Does that sound right to you? Uh, again, I, I don't want to speculate. What I will say is that... Uh, you know, I've, I've been trying to get answers to questions, and I found that a lot of the answers have been inadequate. And I, I've also found that uh, some of the explanations I've gotten don't hang together. So in, in a sense, I have more questions today than I did when I first started. Some of what things don't hang together? Some of the explanations of what occurred. Why does that matter? Well because I think people have to find out what the government was doing during that period. If we're, if we're worried about foreign influence, for the very same reason, we should be worried about whether government officials abuse their power and put their thumb on the scale. And, and so I'm not saying that happened, uh, but I'm saying that we have to look at that. How do you think John Brennan and James Clapper handled the Russian investigation? Well, again, I, I, I don't want to speculate about the facts because I don't know the facts at this point. At all? I know some facts, but it's premature to be discussed. Can you tell us what the Steele dossier had to do with this? What role did that play? Well, that's one of the questions uh, you know, that we're going to have to look at. It, it's a very unusual situation to have opposition research like that, especially one that on its face... Uh, had a number of clear mistakes and a, and a somewhat jejune analysis, and to and to use that to to conduct uh, counterintelligence against the American political campaign is a strange uh, would be a strange development. I'm not sure how, what role it played, but that's something we have to look do, at. Do you smell a rat in this at this point? I don't know if I'd describe it a rat. I, I would just say that uh, the you know the answers I'm getting. Uh, are not sufficient. Hmm. Just to follow up on that, Republicans have said for months that these men 
Brennan, Clapper, maybe James Comey, had it in for Trump. Do you think that's true? Uh, again, I'm not going to speculate about their motives. In the period of time between Election Day and the inauguration, did anyone in government or in intelligence, did they take action to justify their decisions? Between Election Day, did you say? Between yeah. Election Day of 2000 and 16 in November and Inauguration Day. I think there were some very um, strange developments during that period. That's one of the things we want to look into. Such as? Such as uh, the handling of the meeting on January 6th between the intelligence chiefs and the president and the leaking of information subsequent to that meeting. Was that meeting in New York City? Yes. In Trump Tower? Yes. What questions do you have about what uh, happened that day? Uh, again, I'm not going to get into, into that. At but it's stage. on your mind? That's one of the things we, we need to look at. Can you characterize how far advanced you are in understanding that meeting? Uh, we're still in, in the stage of, of gathering all the information. Can you say when Bob Mueller knew there was no collusion with Russia? No, I couldn't say that. No date given? No, I couldn't, I couldn't say when, when he knew. Let's move further into that, that aspect of this, because you, you are being heavily criticized by Democrats, by the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She, she believes you lied under oath. What do you think of that charge? Well, I think it's a, it's a laughable charge, and I think it's largely being made to try to discredit me, partly because they may be concerned about the outcome of a, of a review of what happened during the, uh, during the election. What does that mean? That, that means they may be trying to under, undermine my credibility, but uh, obviously you can look at the face of my testimony and see on its face that there's nothing uh, inaccurate about it. You uh, reportedly had a conversation with her this week. Yes. What did you say to her? Well, I wouldn't call it a conversation. It was more like an icebreaker. I uh, was introduced and I asked her if she had brought her handcuffs with her. <laughs> and she said? I didn't really quite hear what she said, uh, but it, it, she wasn't unpleasant about it. What she will say, and Democrats will say, is that you were spinning on behalf of the president with the principal conclusions that you released. Uh, they, they leveled charges that you held back the Mueller report for several weeks. Were you spinning for the White House to buy some time? No, I wasn't. I think what they're really perhaps annoyed about is that they didn't have an opportunity to spin and that the fundamental findings of the report were out there for everybody to see uh, and they were not in a position to spin. But uh, I think my statement of the bottom line of the report was clearly accurate. When they questioned your testimony with Charlie Chris from Florida and Chris Van Hollen from Maryland, do you believe you were being upfront in those exchanges? Well, as I said, if you look at the transcript, they not only were up front, but they were completely accurate. Uh, Van Hollen, here's, did Bob Mueller support your conclusion? And you say, I don't know whether Bob Mueller supported my yeah. conclusion. Yeah, and there, it's clear, uh, it's clear that there were two different conclusions uh, that were at issue. One set of conclusions was Bob Mueller be, uh, allegedly being concerned as to the way I characterized Bob Mueller's conclusions in the report. And that question that Van Hollen asked me was about my conclusions, along with Rod Rosenstein, that there had been no obstruction. And he was asking whether uh, Bob Mueller agreed with those conclusions. And I don't know whether Bob So Mueller in your view, there was no contradiction? 
Well, there are two the, separate the, sets. Of, one was the, Bob Mueller's conclusion. Right. One was my conclusion. But under testimony by oath, you don't believe you went there to evade or to lie. There were two different subject matters being discussed, and what I said was completely accurate. You found no obstruction. Did you consider any other charges? Uh, no, the the second volume of the report uh, outlined a number of episodes, approximately 10 episodes, that they felt could potentially be viewed as obstruction. Those were the only ones we decided. Mm. Witness tampering? Did well, that, that was a... F- consider that, w- that? Well, by obstruction, I'm including the normal mm-hmm. forms of obstruction, which include witness tampering. The reason I asked that, Don McGahn reportedly was urged to change his testimony. No, that's, see, that's, uh, that's, that's again, a miscon... That? Oh, well, we very much considered each episode and, and spent a long time uh, considering it. And that's a misconception. He was not asked to change his testimony. Uh, that was a reaction to a press story uh, in the New York Times that claimed that Trump had told him to fire Mueller. And the Trump, uh, in this, I'm just going by what the report said. I'm not arguing the case. But uh, Trump was mad at the word fire and claimed he never directed, uh, began to fire Mueller. And, in fact, elsewhere the report does say that McGahn was told by Trump to talk to Rosenstein to complain about uh, conflicts of interest that Mueller had and have Mueller removed for conflicts of interest. And there's a difference, because if you remove someone for for a conflict of interest, presumably someone else is going to be put in to continue the investigation. And uh, what Trump was being accused of in the New York Times was just outright directing the firing of Mueller. So there was not necessarily incongruity between those two descriptions, and therefore his request that uh, McGahn write a memo for the record uh, wasn't necessarily asking him to say anything untruthful. And and the other point is that the president was aware at the time that McGahn had already talked to Mueller, had already given his testimony to Mueller. So that, that was I'm not, the I'm not arguing the case. I'm just saying that as a government prosecutor, we would have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the that this was false and that the intent uh, was to obstruct justice. And and uh, I didn't think Rosenstein didn't think, and the other prosecutors working with us didn't think that we would be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. You also said the White House fully cooperated, but there was no sit-down interview with Bob Mueller or anyone on his team. Yeah, it was a question and answer exchange. Is that full cooperation? Well, uh, uh, Mueller decided not to attempt to subpoena or force the issue with the president, so he made that judgment. Um, And uh, I did say the White House cooperated, and what I was referring to there was the truly unprecedented uh, uh, delivery of information in the form of millions of pages of documents and the ability to interview White House staff, including the president's White House counsel, with no holes barred, no privilege claimed at that point or anything. So that was unprecedented, and that's what I was referring to when I said the White House. So you find that satisfactory on behalf of the White House? It's more than satisfactory. And, and Bob uh, Mueller obviously felt it was satisfactory. He reached his conclusions in his report. Let me come back to that point. The president calls this a witch hunt. He calls it a hoax. Would you agree with that? 
Well, as I've, I've said, if, if you were the president, I think you would view it as a, as a witch hunt and a hoax uh, because at the time he was saying he was innocent and that he was being falsely accused. And that's, if you're falsely accused, uh, you would think that something was a witch hunt. And I have to say, you know, when you step back and look at this, two, two and a half years of his administration, three years of Trump, you know, the campaign and then the first part of his administration, uh, he has been hammered. Uh, for something, uh, you know, for allegedly conspiring with the Russians. And that, we now know, that was simply false. Are you comfortable using those words? Witch hunt? Hoax? Uh, I use what words I use, and and it was an investigation, but I think if I had been falsely accused, I'd I'd be comfortable Mm -hmm. saying it was a, a witch hunt. You mentioned Bob Mueller a few moments ago. Were you surprised that he came back with no recommendation on that obstruction charge? That surprise you? Yes, that surprised me. Because the the function of a of a prosecutor is to make a call, uh, one way or the other. As did you say. did you ask him why? Yeah, we discussed it. What did he say? Uh, well, uh, you know, I already have said that we met on March fifth before he delivered the report, and and he's he gave an explanation for it, and it's pretty much reflected in the report. You're okay with him testifying. Absolutely. He works for you. Yes. Or under you. Yes. Or did. What seems to be the holdup? Jerry Nadler said this week it will happen soon. Perhaps it happens in June or not. Do you have any information on that? My understanding is that uh, Chairman uh, Nadler is talking this over with uh, Bob Mueller and his staff and trying to schedule it. So you expect it to happen? I have no reason to think it won't. Do you believe members of Mueller's team around him put pressure on him to include certain aspects in that report? I don't want to speculate because I just don't know. Do you believe he gave in any of that pressure? I don't want to speculate. I really wasn't there to watch the interaction of this staff. When did you speak with him last, correspond with him? The last I talked to him was, uh, I think, the Thursday after uh, he delivered his report when we had a telephone call. But there's no... Uh, so that's been several weeks. Yeah, but there's no... That's not because of any strain between us or anything. Your relationship goes back 30 years. That's right. How is it today? Um, I, I haven't had the opportunity to spend t- much time with him since he took on the assignment. I haven't spent time with him since he took yeah. on the assignment, but I would say we're still friends. Yeah. When you took this job, did you think Democrats would make you the target? Yes. You were ready for that? Yes. That's one of the reasons I uh, felt I might be in a position to uh, help in that uh, I thought I was in a position where... Uh, this kind of criticism really wouldn't bother me very much. And what about the criticism about holding you? What about the, the charge of contempt that has already passed in committee that may go to the floor of the House holding you in contempt? What do you think of that? You know, that's part of the usual game, you know, political circus that's being played out. It doesn't surprise me. Call it a circus. Well, I think. Is it a threat? Am I, am I threatening someone? Are you, do you feel threatened? No, I don't feel threatened. How would you describe your relationship with President Trump? Uh, I would say it's uh, a good relationship. Uh, he's, a, he's a very engaged president, uh, and I've, I didn't know him before. Uh, I had only met with him, um, uh, really, a substantive discussion with him at the time he decided to, to uh, make, uh, appoint me attorney general. 
but I think we have a, a good candid relationship. And just one more question on that. You met with him in the Oval Office? No, I met with him in the residence. In the residence. And that went well? Yeah. Did he hire you on the spot? Uh, I'm not going to get into the nature. The reason I ask you that is Democrats would charge that you are the president's attorney now. Yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. Did you think that Eric Holder was the attorney for President Obama? Uh, I think... I think Eric Holder at times did act that way, but attorney generals are frequently accused of that. Is it like Bobby Kennedy and JFK from the early 60s? I mean, they're accused of, attorneys general are, are accused of being that way, but I'm not sure exactly what they're referring to. Well, I, you know, when I was uh, up for confirmation, I promised that I was going to make the report available. I didn't have to. The report was supposed to be confidential. I said I would err on the side of transparency. I got it out. There were minimal redactions. Every American can now read it to their heart's content and make up their mind about it. Last question, and I appreciate your time. Mm -hmm. Last question. James Comey has a lot to say about you. Uh, he recently said that you've lost your reputation. What do you think of him? Well, I've noticed one of the talking points these days is, oh, isn't it a tragedy? You know, Barr is losing his reputation or his legacy is being tinged because of his service in this administration. I don't think those people are really concerned about my legacy. When will we see the IG report? Uh, when it's finished. Is it finished? No. Have you seen it? No. Sir, thank you for your time. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.